Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next Thursday, England will play in their first World Cup semi-final for 27 years, taking on either Australia or India at Edgbaston. After that thumping defeat at the hands of Australia at Lords just over a week ago, a few of us may have had our doubts, but Owen Morgan's side have come good when it mattered, following up Sunday's win over India with a comprehensive, Johnny Bairstow-inspired 119-run victory over New Zealand in Durham. New Zealand will almost certainly join England in the last four, barring a Pakistan win of absolutely epic proportions against Bangladesh on Friday. But if they do go through, it'll be with a whimper. The Kiwis' strong early form in the tournament deserting them. Welcome to the Wisden Cricket Daily Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. I'm your host, Joe Harmon. Later, we'll be hearing the thoughts of New Zealand journalist Andrew Alderson. But first, I'm joined by Ben Jones of CrickViz. Ben, you told me yesterday you'd either be in a brilliant mood or a terrible <laughs> one. Uh, I'm guessing you're, you're pretty chipper after that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a more kind of exhausted relief. Yeah. Um, it's, I spent the last four years building up to this day without really knowing that I was building up to it. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I feel I feel very calm now. It was it would have been an injustice, really, if England hadn't got to the semi-finals. Not because they don't, not because they particularly deserve it within this tournament. They've been stop-start. They've not been brilliant. But for the last four years, they've been the best ODI side in the world, certainly in the top four. Um, and it would have been a real shame if during a home World Cup, they hadn't they hadn't made it to last four it would have been a hard one to stomach uh, and a long four years to wait to wait for the next just one just so much staring into the mirror just <laughs> like can we ever do anything in white ball cricket um yeah so it, it, yeah i'm relieved i'm 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 calm i've it's yeah it's the calm after the storm <laughs> Until next Thursday, and then it all, all <laughs> starts again. Uh, anyway, on today's match, uh, what was your moment of the day? My moment of the day was uh, the catch that Joss Butler pulled off to dismiss Martin Guptill. Yeah. Joffre Archer digs it in short on a pitch that's not really given much to that kind of delivery. It's been quite slow. It's been a bit kind of stodgy bounce. And for some reason, this one just gets up and Guptill's too far across the offside and knocks it down down leg. And you think it's going to go away for four because Butler's not been in the best form with the gloves. But then he manages to kind of time everything very balletically and all of his alignments work everything kind of falls into place and he manages to at full reach just get a glove to to the chance and takes it and gets up and celebrates appropriately and Bester comes in and rubs his head and kind of <laughs> the full wicketkeeper's union stuff and it was it was just a really nice moment for for Butler because he started the summer really really poorly with the gloves mm. and quite a lot he, of people saying Bester should be keeping yeah. across the board um, I mean I mean to do my thing statistically there's very little difference between them in right. terms of the impact that they have it doesn't really matter Bester was a slight better ground fielder or outfielder rather so it's kind of although worth that was clearly no mug is he that's well the, exactly that's the point it's, it, Besto is probably a slightly better keeper but he's a significantly better fielder so it's yeah. worth having him out there but 
but it was just a nice moment to see that Butler, who's had a mixed time with the with the bat during the tournament, he obviously got the ton against Pakistan, but he's not really come off. It was nice to see him get a moment where he could be like, oh yes, I've I've contributed something really emphatically skillful and beautiful, as as Joss generally does, but hasn't done so far. There is still time for that, of course. It was also not just a brilliant piece of keeping, but also a, a potentially decisive moment in the game. It, it kind of felt. I think McCullum and Ian Smith have both said on commentary of New Zealand I'm going to chase down that kind of total 300 plus. Then Guptill had to really come off because of the the kind of the nature of their rest of their batting order. So Guptill to go early and in that manner was a real kind of hammer blows to New Zealand it felt like at the time. Yeah it's funny isn't it because obviously New Zealand's best player is Kane Williamson and he can do pretty much anything but he can't really do kind of run a ball 140s in Big Ten. He's, that's not really his style. He's he also can't really afford to because he can't take the risk to allow exactly. him to do that because the other players around him aren't doing their jobs. Exactly so you need other players to come in and play those high risk innings but Guptill is probably the guy who you think a bit like how Butler is for England generally that you you kind of just think anything is possible as long as they're there. If if it comes if if they come off, they could do anything in any number of balls, and it's it's a it's the ceiling on what the team can achieve is raised significantly by their presence. It's funny that McCullum was the one saying that because at the last World Cup you had McCullum and Guptill yeah. doing that, and that meant that they were a significantly better side because you had that ridiculous anchoring middle order of Taylor and Williamson, but actually you had that firecracker opening partnership, which meant that you felt like New Zealand could come out and charge at the blocks and chase anything, but they mm. could also comply completely take all risk out of chasing 270 which is kind of the the skill that you need to win all sorts of ODI games and yeah it was a shame that Guptill didn't come off today just because we were robbed of a spectacle but it was yeah it was a beautiful moment for Butler and a, a, obviously a very influential moment in the game. So talking of New Zealand's top order that's where my moment of the day comes from as well. Henry Nichols is his first ball uh, only a second innings of the tournament gets trapped LBW in theory finger goes straight up from the umpire off of Chris Wokes um, he has a kind of brief consultation with Guptill and then and then wanders off and I, I think everyone thought the time it's a bit high at least high enough to have a look at certainly that was Atherton's uh, reaction in, in the commentary box and yet sure enough as the as he doesn't call for review but as the replay shows it was missing the stumps wasn't even clipping the bail so it wouldn't have wouldn't it would have been overturned uh, and it just struck me as well that it, they would they were talking in the commentary box about it, showing a lack of confidence in from Henry Nichols that he didn't necessarily think his wicket was valuable enough to use the review on but I think more specifically than that I think he was thinking can I use potentially Kane Williamson's review Kane Williamson is so important them I think they said he's got 32% of their runs in the World Cup before today uh, so and I think in the back of his mind thinking well if I call for this one and I don't get it right and then Williamson gets one potentially next <laughs> ball I've basically blown the match for us so he just kind of wanders off and, and takes it it's a strange way of thinking isn't it because it almost lulls you into thinking that a, a referral or a review is a life for a batsman yeah. it's not yeah. you still have to not get out you can't You can't just be like well I was plumb but I've reviewed it and I'm fine um, so it, it is strange I think I think there's a lot This we're still relatively in the early stages of batsmen understanding how reviews work and kind of the logic and so probably, probably the math- cricket as well exactly and probably the mathematics behind it as well whether it's worth reviewing ever uh, like certain kind like caught behinds where you can't have the review retained and stuff like that but I did I, I did think at the time when when he was struck it did look high and I celebrated as I'm prone to do rather emphatically but <laughs> I celebrated the not reviewing of it a lot more than I celebrated it being given out well I thought even Wokes a celebration I thought was kind of muted to a certain extent yeah. he was thinking
thinking, well, we might not necessarily get this, but Nichols did the uh, did the work for him and and wandered off. It was a, it was a little bit odd and a bit of a shame because obviously what we're saying here is that one of the openers was dismissed by a really lovely bit of skill, yeah. and one of them was dismissed. Well, wasn't, dismissed. wasn't dismissed, and so that's a bit of a shame because yeah, it, it was today was all set up for a, a really cracking game and it kind of fizzled out because of those two dismissals quite early. Yeah, I thought England bowled really well up top. I thought Chris Wokes was was excellent again as he was against India and actually against Australia, which kind of got forgotten in the in the midst of it. I thought he was really good first up, maybe not quite so much in the, the latter overs. He's the power play one king, isn't he? Because mm. you've basically got him. I think Trent Bolt is the only bowler to take more wickets than him in the first 10 since the last World Cup. And that goes under the radar a little bit because he's obviously not the most, you know, he's not the most outrageous character. He's fairly chilled. He's not the most outrageous cricketer in terms of his style. Um, and so we kind of, you know, we kind of ignore him works really generally until he takes, you know, 12 for at Lords for no runs in yeah. a test match. And then we all remember how good he is. But that that isn't that isn't a new thing. Works bowling brilliantly with the new ball, and he's he's really underpinning this campaign. I thought England have been brilliant with the ball. The seamers, particularly, the spinners have been a bit mixed, to put it n- nicely, really. Yeah. But actually, Wokes has, has led from the front and given England good starts in basically every game. Yeah, I think there was a few people thinking when Archer arrived, where does Wokes stand? But I think he's shown us all just just how important he is to this England side, and he does something different to the to the rest of them and, and uh, impacts in a different way to the rest of them as well. Yeah, I mean, for, they're still trying to find the balance, aren't they? They're still trying to work it out as to who drops out because Archer needs to play and Wood's playing so well so he's almost undroppable and I think really England probably want to drop Mark Wood because of the role that he fulfills in the side is similar to Blunkett but not quite as good as with the batting and, and Archer's got the raw pace and, and Archer's got so you kind of he's he's not really necessary in terms of his role but he's just been incredible statistically and he's putting out these incredible numbers and he's a great presence to have around the side and everyone seems to really like having him around and so in a way they've almost been forced into dropping Moe and who I, I don't think they wanted to drop really mm. they they do like having two spinners I mean they bowled Root a lot today yeah. um, as soon as the wicket started to fall yeah so Archer's, Archer's presence and his emergence has caused a few problems but they're good problems aren't they it's, Absolutely you've got to try problems. and squeeze in this Excellent bowlers would kill for these. <laughs> exactly. We haven't spoken about the hero of, of the day uh, yet. Uh, Johnny Bairstow, third century on the bounce versus New Zealand, second consecutive hundred in the World Cup. I feel like we should be searching for a negative to uh, to further <laughs> fuel his run spree and and uh, that fire in his belly, as Owen Morgan described after India. But when he bats like that, it's very hard to pick any negatives at all. I yeah, I, I thought the left side of his beard was a little bit unkempt. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that. He, yeah, oh, he I hadn't see the headlines. He hadn't fastened his glove correctly. I mean, Joe I mean, slams Johnny beard. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's in he's incredible form. He's he's a ridiculous player, so isn't he? Because he does seem to do everything against someone. He doesn't seem to do anything for himself. Everything seems to be kind of to prove a point or to kind of go out and prove someone wrong it's very it's, it's quite he's an angry player but he's just so relentlessly good he doesn't play like an like inconsistently he doesn't play like a kind of firebrand he's he's just relentlessly churning out runs he's starting to get to the point he's nowhere near on the same level um as a as a player but he's getting to that point in the Rohit Sharma is where you're almost surprised when he doesn't make a century absolutely and that's that's a hell of a, a thing to have in a, in a lineup where which is full of brilliant batsmen who make tons all the time but actually best is the one who you're like oh he's nicked off that's, that's weird Whereas Root, Root goes out and gets 80s and Roy go, either gets 20 or 150. It's best as the one who you think, yeah, he's the most reliable one. I think that was why a lot of us were quite shocked with the Sri Lanka performance was he was the one, okay, he's going to he's gonna see England home here. But he, it's almost like that that failure has just seen him double down. And now he's gone two centuries and two games and he, he looks he looks unstoppable. I mean, I, would you bet against him making three in a row? Would no, you bet definitely. If, definitely if he can get to the final, would no, you say he's going to get four in a row? You'd probably bank on it at the moment. He's, he's seeing the ball like a beach ball. And him and Roy as well, 
time and they got England off to another absolute flyer today, which I thought they did the contrast of the first kind of six or seven overs, which just showed that they're playing different different cricket here. And there is, I wonder if there's a kind of a competitive spirit between Roy and Best yeah. there as well, in a, in a sense that they obviously, they're both very much team players and don't play for landmarks, but they also see one player shot, the other players are shot. They both got to 50 within kind of two or three balls of each other today. They, they just, they seem to perfectly complement each other. Uh, and Best, I, there was reference to kind of Besto's patchy form early in the tournament. I mean, he got a couple of very early dismissals, which, I mean, if you get dismissed that early, can even be in bad form, especially. To me, he's looked in fantastic form throughout the tournament, and now we're just seeing him get the scores to, to kind of back that up. They're a really funny pair, Roy and Best, aren't they? Because they average more than every other opening partnership in history that have played 20 times together in ODI mm. They They are the best ODI opening partnership ever in that regard. And that is mad. But it, we also slightly underestimate, or rather overestimate, how good Hales and Roy were. We think that they were absolutely relentless. They weren't. They aver- they, I think they've got the third worst opening partnership for England on average. They, like, one of them would always go on and do well, but as an actual pair, they weren't very, That's interesting. They weren't very yeah. effective. They, they were obviously two brilliant players in good form, but yeah. they, they weren't quite the same match as these two are. Whereas Roy and Bester, they just seem to complement each other. And it, I don't think it's any coincidence that England's revival and kind of clarity of thought and strategy has come off the back of those two being reunited. When it was Vincent and uh, and Bester, England were struggling. I mean, yeah. against Afghanistan, they got away with it um, because of Morgan. But generally, it's it's that that's hinged to the performance. Um, and they've the, the, those two coming back together has really kind of just kick-started. Ah, oh, yes, England are actually very good yeah. at ODI cricket. <laughs> yeah. That's felt like a decisive factor over the last yeah. week or so, hasn't it? Which is why um, Bester diving to try and save three when um, <laughs> yeah, when, when the wins. game is absolutely I, won, I it just feels absolutely one. reckless. It's like Archer yeah. doing anything other than but running into ball. Quite well, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But don't do it again, Johnny. So there was a few uh, grumbles as, as England's brilliant start fell away today and they really struggled in those kind of latter middle overs and then had a little flurry at the end to get over over 300. Um, ben Stokes, I think 11 from 27 balls today, kind of did it did a dony. But there <laughs> does seem, there does seem to be a, a trend developing in the, in the recent part of this tournament where teams are getting good starts or excellent starts in the case of today uh, and then falling away and not getting the 350 that they seem to be set for. I wondered if this does have something to do with the, the pitches and I noticed this thing today that Crickviz pitch pace rating which is actually new to me. Uh, so th- the stat I saw was it was the pitch rating pitch pace rating was 8.4 in the first power play of England's innings and 3 for the third power play. Can you explain how that's calculated and exactly what it means and what it's showing us? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's really cool. Basically, we, um, we take all the career data for the bowlers that are playing in the match and all the ground data for so the ball tracking data, so the Hawkeye stuff, DRS, yeah. all the, all that kind of data, um, how fast they bowl, how much seed they get, all of the all of these kind of components of their bowling, and through a very compl- complicated mathematical thing that I don't quite understand, we compare it to what they're getting on any given day, and then you basically get an average. You, you can basically assess the effect that the pitch is having on their bowling, and then that comes out as a as a series of numbers that compare how the bounce of the pick of the pitch, the um, the deviation, so how much spin they're getting, how much seam they're getting, and the pace, and the pace is kind of the pace off the wicket so how much how much the ball is decelerating after it after it pitches yeah. which is ob- obviously what you're talking about when you think about the ball sticking in the pitch sure. or tennis ball bounce or if it's kissing the surface all of those kind of things are about the speed that the ball is coming off the pitch um, and today we saw that in the in the first 10 overs like you say 8.4 is very high that's a that's a very high pace rating and the ball was coming really onto the bat and everyone was going oh it's a road it's an absolute road yeah. Besto and Roy they're both going to get doubles England going to get a million um, and New Zealand are probably going to chase it down but then as the middle overs come in it drops I think in the middle overs it dropped to 3.4 
Um, I should know. I wrote about it about ten minutes ago, um, but it kept on kept on dropping, and then it stayed low for the New Zealand innings as well. Um, basically, the pitch slowed up. I don't know quite why. It's it's not an exact science pitch deterioration, but basically the pitch got slower and harder to time your strokes on, and as a result, in, no one, no batting lineup could really have matched what England did at the start of the day because the ball wasn't coming on. They weren't playing effectively yeah. on the same wicket. They essentially played two different games, which is why, in some ways, the argument that, oh, Besto and Roy only do it on flat pitches, obviously, inherently, that's it's fatuous, it's silly. They're, they've done it in so many different conditions. But today, it was actually true. They did get the best of the conditions, and they nailed it, and they made it count. And that's, in a way, lucky, but it's all, it also shows the class of them that given this little window where they had good opportunities to score, they did. They scored 123 and 18 overs, and it won England the game. And how quickly they can assess the conditions and work out what they should be on at 10 overs I think that's a very impressive part of their, their partnership as well I think there's a lot of guys in the England coaching staff that are very good at reading pitches because as much as we talk about England you know struggling on slow wickets stodgy wickets they rarely go out and try and actually get 400 on those wickets they know that they need to adapt mm. it's just that they haven't always got the skills to adapt and yeah. that's fine you know teams have no one ever really criticises slow scoring teams for not being able to make 400 on flat decks it never mm. works the other way around but you're right the actual ability to read a surface and kind of understand what you need to do to judge par before you've made it is a really important skill because it means that England can know actually no we don't need to get 350 today yeah. they could have tried to accelerate when Stokes was getting 11 off 20 or whatever it was they could have tried to carry on going and Stokes skies it on 2 and then Morgan skies it earlier but actually they knew that if they just stayed calm yeah. and progressed through the innings in the same way that they did against South Africa and in the same way that they did against India they realised that actually 320 is going to be a match winning score here so the reduction in the pitch pace rating that we saw today is that reflective of a trend over the past few games and does it mean that winning the toss and batting first is going to be absolutely huge come the semi-finals I'm not entirely sure on the on the first point I think it was definitely the point with um, with the England-India game at Edgbaston so that's the one I was thinking yeah, of as, as so, kind of, as a yeah so you could see that this. that could be a pattern that we would look we would look to see but you know different different pitches on the same square behave very very differently we saw that the um, was it New Zealand-Pakistan game was that at Edgbaston and, and the ball and was, it, was that where Santner just absolutely ragged it, or there was there was there was there was a game at Edgbaston where we saw the pit the, the pitch just spin ridiculously, and it was it was terrifying. And then obviously we rocked up and cool deep, and well, Jahal goes for his most expensive yeah. spell ever, and actually it didn't really spin that much. So it's sometimes a bit over the top to read too much into just the fact that it's in the same twenty meters. It's pitches behave pitches aren't an exact science; they behave weirdly. Sure, but like you say, that there is the sun's out. It's change. It, it's getting throughout the day. It's getting hotter. The pitch is getting drier. That does change the way that the surfaces are playing. And the toss, so how, so how impactful is, is the I toss? Don't, I, I don't know. I think, I mean, today it was obviously massively impactful because it meant that England got that 20 over head start where, the, but I don't know if that's going to be the case everywhere. There's no reason why, you know, that, that deterioration could happen a couple of hours earlier um, if the sun's hotter any particular day or it's damper or whatever. All those kind of vague components that are in the mm. air um, could mean that it just deteriorates before play starts and then it's just difficult to bat on all day um, at Manchester or Birmingham. We don't, we don't know. I mean, taking the science out of it though, uh, it looks like England are much more comfortable yeah. setting a target than chasing a target at the I moment. think England look way more comfortable being able to pause whilst aiming to get 350 and then go we're going to get 310 that's fine but if they're chasing 320 that's when they panic it's when they're yeah. okay hang on we might not be able to do this and then they don't give themselves the best chance of getting close they, they just seem to implode whereas yeah like you say when they're batting first there's a, there's a clarity to the way they think and they're a bit they're a bit more they're a bit more not considered but they, they just 
seem to be able to keep their heads for longer yeah. and then go hard at the end like we saw today. And it's also like Roy and Bairstow can just imprint themselves in the game yep. from the very start. Which they do a lot. That, that, that's that's not a... They that's do, not, that's they not do rare. Pretty much every time. Or at least one of them does it pretty much is it three, three opening, three century opening partnerships in this World Cup in a row or something like that? It's and th- all quick as well. Yeah, they don't Yeah, they don't mess around. They're not. They're laying platforms. I saw something the other day. It's basically they're like, they're laying platforms but at the rate at which people pinch it. So it's kind of, yeah. they're going out and they're going hard to like try and steal a march on the opposition but they're then making 120. So it, yeah. you're getting the advantages of both strategies which is, you know, it's ridiculous how, how good they are at doing that. Uh, in amongst all the excitement, I believe you had a gripe, Ben, uh, and this was <laughs> Mark Wood's run out of Kane Williamson which was obviously a, a very big moment in the game but you're not happy, what, with that mode of dismissal? Is that what? <laughs> Contrary to the caricature that's often painted of me on this show, um, I do occasionally get quite grumpy about cricket. The dismissal whereby a batsman hits the ball back down, back down the the, uh, the pitch and a bowler sticks their hand out in hope and just vaguely touches it and the ball continues on its path, hits the stumps and dismisses the non-striker. It's legitimate, it's fine, there's no issue with the spirit of cricket here, there's none of that, none of the mancaddy nonsense, like, it's completely legitimate and bowlers should be allowed to do it, um, but it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be in the rules. It's not, it's not fair to anyone. Because there's not enough skill involved. There's in no the... skill involved. All, all the batsmen... Well, sometimes is... there's a bit of skill involved. Uh, I, do, I don't... Because sometimes bowlers play for it and manage to get I th- into a kind of awkward position to, I think to you deflect can, the ball. I think you can play for it, but I don't think any bowler can say that they have practiced the skill of deflecting a, a, a ricocheting the ball back onto the stumps I think it, it, it's, in, it's instinctive so it's that's instinctive. perhaps even more yeah, skill it's fine I, like, I, I get it I, I, I do understand that there's it's, it's impressive and bowlers should be praised if they do it well but I I just find it fundamentally it's more of like a gut thing it just doesn't feel fair to anyone it's not rewarding anything good in some ways obviously people are saying oh the batsman's out of his ground but like batsmen are allowed to be out of their ground to steal a run but to then punish a batsman so heavily by being dismissed just feels so just over the top in terms of today's game suffered and Kane Williamson didn't really make a mistake Mm. all he did was be a tiny fraction out of his crease and then England didn't do anything right other than Mark Wood stick his finger out and get a tiny touch on it and then it goes into the stumps oh, I'm saying this in, in <laughs> knowledge that I'm getting I'm going to get absolutely massacred right, well, for it that's, but, that's but Ben's the... view if you care <laughs> this much about this mode of dismissal no one does let us no know on does. Twitter uh, hashtag arse wisdom uh, or you can just tell Ben that he's being boring and you don't care that's please don't fine. at me please I've, I've had it already I only posted <laughs> it on Twitter an hour ago and I've had it all afternoon <laughs> Okay, uh, what are we going to talk about next? Uh, okay, the semi-final, seeing as England are there. Um, England finished third, we know that, which means they will take, play the team who finished second, which is currently India, uh, and will continue to be India unless Australia loses to South Africa. Uh, and, and India win the last game. And India win the last game, of course. Who would you prefer to play if you were if you were England? It's hard. I would still prefer to play Australia, because Australia are worse than India. Mm. But it's remarkable that it takes a bit of thought at the start of the tournament if you said who do you want to play in the semi-final India or Australia wouldn't have taken any thought would it yeah you'd have been like oh yeah obviously the team that can't win or the team that well, only you'd have win. said well Australia aren't even going to get to the semi-finals yeah whilst chomping <laughs> on my laptop um, no I, I I think that Australia's um, recovery has been ridiculous and they're clearly a much better side now they've, they've got the balance right everyone knows their role they're clearly a rising side and I would not be surprised one bit if England lost to them in the semi-final, if they played them, um, I wouldn't be surprised at this point if Australia won the whole thing. They're clearly they're they're a, a team on the march. But England would rather play them in the semi-final, not at Lords, because they've already played them at Lords and Australia Didn't won. Go well, yeah. They've played India in in uh, Edgbaston and they won. And I think at this point, England are, they're almost up to a speed now where they've had two must-must-win games and they've won both of them. I feel like keeping it at that in- level of intensity where you're playing, you feel like you're playing the best, is pr- is as good a chance of England kind of 
staying staying focused and getting the best out of their um out of their performance because i think it, it, if they face if they face australia i can i can just see it as like okay so we've got to get through this and then we've got to beat india in the final mm-hmm. whereas actually if they just face india in the semi-final they might lose that's fine but it's almost like that's that's the big challenge and then you can kind of recover do your research go back again i don't know I, at this point it's too emotional a decision like i don't i, I don't want to play either of them I, just, I just want england to almost disappear out of the tournament not go out but just kind of not be in it anymore it's too much well i think i think it i definitely feel like it will be india i think australia will be desperate to win that last game because yeah. they'll want to play new zealand who are really sort of struggling uh, in these later stages of the group stage uh, also that means they get two extra days rest because the old trafford semi-final is on yep. the tuesday edge bestness on the thursday for what it's worth i would rather play in in the semis uh, I think there's because because I want to get England to the final so I think I think the easier game at this stage is India which is bizarre <laughs> which is bizarre and I think it's probably more of a kind of a, an emotional thing than a than a statistical thing that I'm thinking that no, I just no. think there's there's a thing about Australia particularly given what happened at Lords particularly yeah. given the the fact they were written off at the start of the tournament and I, I think there are chinks in India these have been discussed on the show over the last couple of days that that England can really exploit again having already exploited Edgebaston uh, only a few days ago and I think that England India side is suddenly not very settled as well whereas England know the 11 they'll pick I think I think they'll stick with the 11 that's won them the last two games yeah unless they rock up uh, until the end of this tournament unless they rock up and the pitch is clearly going to spin in which case they might bring Mo back in for someone but yeah it's a very tricky call to make though isn't it yeah I I mean it's it's, it's really hard you might still even if you think it's going to spin a bit you could still convince yourself that it's either Rashid or possibly Moen comes in instead of Rashid I wouldn't go that way but that that is an option and then you've got Joe Root I think the issue at this point obviously Root is bowling fine and he's doing a really good job but Rashid isn't bowling well um, and so that 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 is an extra element into the debate of it's not that you can you can't really rely on Rashid to bowl 10 flawless overs if it's a really spinning wicket you might need to mix and match them with another another spinner I do still think that India are a much better team than Australia but they're a similar strategic side to Australia yeah, they've got true. they've got a similar setup they want to get through the first turn unbeaten then they want to start to accelerate in the middle and then go really hard at the end with either Hardik or Maxwell and then with the bowling they've got they've all they've both bizarrely given you know the relative histories of those two countries they've both got very com- comparatively skillful seam attacks who can hurt you all the way through and Stark and Boomer are coming back throughout the innings to kind of bowl these little two over three over spells are, that's a real concern like whoever they're playing I've got a really uncomfortable feeling that that's going to be the final is those two teams India and Australia um, oh come on Ben not not today the not optimism today. the optimism is it's kind of drained out of me away, so but, I, but you know actually I, I wouldn't mind that because that would be that would be an interesting game because they've played a lot over the last four years and actually they've played each other at different levels in terms of their trajectories. India have been really good and Australia have been awful yeah. and actually Australia are the, still the world champions, bizarrely. Um, and it's it would be quite a nice bookend to this cycle in a way if, if it was India-Australia. It would be the perfect bookend if it was India-England. But I don't know, I'm kind of reconciling myself to the idea that actually England might not progress and it, there's still a kind of poetry to to that particular ending to the tournament okay well we'll cross that bridge when we come to it um, um listener you can't see i'm actually in tears <laughs> <laughs> so um before i speak to uh andrew alderson uh a final question for you ben as much for my own benefit as our listeners but so what do pakistan need to do to leapfrog new zealand and is it even is it is it worth talking about is it actually feasible um those are two different questions it's <laughs> definitely not worth talking about um but basically they need to bat first and make a billion runs and then come bowl. on give me a figure not a billion um I, th- I i'm pretty sure it's about it's about 600 they basically i think they need to win by something like 450 runs um <laughs> right. so they need to they need to break the world record and then bowl bangladesh out for about 150 um but if they pakistan bowl first then they're out yeah which is why the toss is going to be hilarious <laughs> because <laughs> 
the whole Pakistan team about there like it's a penalty shootout. They're all going to be crowding around, slow motion on the t- on the coin rising into the air. Um, it's going to be it's going to be really intense. Cause all yeah, ahead of a match that doesn't actually matter because they can't win by four hundred and fifty rounds. Anyway. Exactly. So it's almost, it's a it's a proper stay of execution if they get to bat first. But you know they, they are they would still literally be in the competition. Sure. Okay. Well, basically we know our semi finalists. Then um, that is England covered for the time being. Now let's turn our attention to New Zealand, uh, who are really kind of stumbling towards the semi finals. I caught up with Andrew Alderson of the New Zealand Heralds after the Black Caps defeat to England. Uh, hi Andrew, so after six matches unbeaten, that's now three defeats on the bounce for New Zealand. They're all but through, but this is a concerning uh, development in the lead-up to the semi-finals, isn't it? Oh look Joe, it sure is. It's, it's hard to regain momentum from here for New Zealand, although I would say on the flip side of that, if the New Zealand team were able to channel the have, particularly with the bat, uh, all in sync, um, I think that uh, they could be a formidable force still uh, at this World Cup, potentially. I mean, I know there's some uh, mathematical calculations to go, uh, but uh, a semi- semi-final looks uh, all but imminent uh, at Manchester against uh, Australia or India. So I think that uh, if the batting could match the uh, the success generally over the course of the tournament they've had with the bowling in, in terms of being able to drag teams back, even after the 123 that Bairstow and Roy uh, posted today, and, and I guess from 194 for one, they dragged them back with, uh, I think they took four wickets for 54 between overs 31 and 42, mm. uh, and that was able to, to pair England back, and uh, and if they can do that and, and combine it with the bat and bring Lockie Ferguson back into proceedings, there is a chance. Having started so well in this tournament, do you think they've started playing worse, or have they just been playing better sides? I think it's better science in a way. They had, in many ways, I think, Joe, the ideal draw in that they were playing a lot of the weaker sides early on and they made capital while they could in those games. And I think if you look at those run rates now, um, just looking back at the tournament, the fact that New Zealand were able to I guess rustle up those runs really quickly against Sri Lanka in that first game at Car. If they got to one thirty-seven in a in a hurry, mm. and if you compare it to Pakistan out for one hundred five against the West Indies, uh, that's come back to haunt them. So that's where the run rate system uh, can work in your favour, and it certainly has done for New Zealand. Pakistan fans might argue that New Zealand have been a little bit lucky to to get to this point. They got that point for the washout versus India, which is looking quite a handy point at this stage. Oh, I think it's a good argument. It's probably, even you look back on it, uh, a point gained rather than a point lost for New Zealand. I think that's fair. And it's uh, going to be interesting, especially if they do come up against uh, India in a semi-final. On that day at uh, Trent Bridge, it was sort of, uh, well, it was raining, obviously, to, to wash it out. I mean, maybe New Zealand could have made the most of those conditions, but it's going to be a big ask against the Indian side, as it would be against an Australian side from what we saw at Lords a few days ago, just how comprehensively uh, New Zealand were beaten in the end. So there's lots to work on, but it's particularly with the batting and particularly up top. I just think that uh, Martin Guptill has to fire if New Zealand has to go any further in this tournament. Uh, uh, and also you know, potentially Henry Nichols and, and Kane Williamson left less vulnerable uh, coming in at perhaps some stage uh, outside or beyond the, the ninth over. I think he's been, apart from that opening match, he's been at every every match he's been in at the ninth over or earlier. Yeah, I, the as you say, the batting has been the weakness, but I thought there were, there were signs today without Lockie Ferguson there that the bowling looked a little flat at, at stages. Um, I felt a bit sorry for Tim Southey today, being a brilliant performer for New Zealand for so long, not featured up till this point in the tournament, initially through injury. Then he comes in for a big match against the most destructive opening pair in world cricket and he, and he didn't go so well. It was a big ask for him today, wasn't it? It was, and he looked to be fading there, Tim. I mean, cause he hasn't probably got the pace that he once had, uh, but, uh, you know, and, and just it, it, when you've got 
Roy and Bairstow in such destructive form, uh, hard to come in and bowl against that. And that's where, as you mentioned, I mean, Ferguson has made a, a massive difference for New Zealand, being able to get the ball to rocket through uh, at considerable pace, up around 150, and just that makes uh, all the difference at times. And I think that uh, you know, it's, it's a fair point. New Zealand bowling did struggle, but it was just that period where they were able to keep their uh, composure, I suppose, between overs 31 and 42 after taking a couple of wickets and uh, just to, to at least peg England back... Uh, slightly because effectively the, the score was uh, was I guess it was coming up to that uh, wall of 400 in a way it was it was escalating at a great rate yeah. and I think to be able to pair it back to 305 uh, over the course of that innings was was quite good really given what where circumstances could have gone from a New Zealand perspective returning to the batting I have a controversial uh, suggestion for you uh, you can call me an <laughs> idiot if you like uh, given New Zealand's openers aren't getting any runs and are frequently getting out on the first over, what about Kane Williamson opening the batting? Because he's done it in T20 cricket quite successfully. It would stop this other opposition having this initiative of an early wicket every single game, it seems like. Is there any merit in that at all? I, see, I suggest it's unlikely, but you, would you see any merit in that? I think it's extremely unlikely in the, how they play the game. I think they want to back uh, the people that they've got, but it's certainly a worthy suggestion given the current scenario. Um, I'll tell you what, the other suggestion that has been made, uh, which... I think also holds merit to a large degree is that Tom Latham is a player uh, who opens in test matches uh, and has a, t- a terrifically successful record at that. I know it's not the same tempo, uh, but if it was to offer Martin Guptill some more stability, Guptill would have to be the aggressor, of course, but he effectively is with, with Nichols at the crease as well. Uh, Henry Nichols had tremendous success in the test game uh, in the middle order. Mm. So perhaps uh, that might have some logic to it, although I dare say they're probably not going to try that now with, uh, well, now that they're going to be in playoff cricket, presumably, if uh, a miracle isn't to happen at, uh, between Pakistan and Bangladesh at Lords in a couple of days. And then just last up for you, Andrew, assuming New Zealand do go through, which I think we all are, um, they'll face Australia or India at Old Trafford next Tuesday. Who do you think they'd prefer to play? Oh, they'll certainly say either. But uh, from my perspective, uh, looking at them, I think that they'd probably prefer to play India and that they haven't played India yet. And that that potentially would provide an element of surprise, if you like. I mean, having seen what Australia did to them at Lords, and you look at what Mitchell Stark delivers. I mean, I know Jasprit Bumrah is a terrific bowler opening up as well, but I think Stark has a particular aura with mm. New Zealand with what he's been able to do. I think when you look yeah. back to you know, the World Cup final as well, and I think that uh, that would be the team they'd probably prefer because if they could get some early wickets, uh, I think they'd probably fancy their chances more, uh, given it to be. Uh, yeah, fresh opposition if you like someone they haven't played previously and uh, that, that's probably the only logic I can come up with because they're, they're two pretty formidable sides uh, when you're in New Zealand's position at the moment having lost uh, three on the bounce they certainly are Andrew brilliant to get your thoughts as ever uh, thanks so much for joining us and uh, all being well we'll look forward to perhaps hearing from you in the semi-finals indeed Joe thanks very much for having me on cheers Andrew that's the end of the show on what has proved to be a very big day for England indeed thanks to Ben and Andrew for joining us We'll be back tomorrow and Yazrana and I will be joined by Wisden Almanac editor Lawrence Booth. Do not worry, we won't dedicate a whole show or even much of it at all to the dead rubber between West Indies and Afghanistan. We'll be focusing on the women's ashes, uh, looking ahead to the World Cup semi-finals of course and chatting about some good old county cricket. This has been the Wisden Cricket Daily Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. Thanks for joining us and don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or any of the other usual platforms. Podcast Network.